I hear a lot of women, they're like, I just want to go back and feel how I felt in high school. I'm like, okay, you've had three kids, you're 45. Let's talk about what you want now. Like, what do you really want now? And how do you feel now? And let's start making these little experiments. You need to be the scientist of your life. Let's try eating this way. Let's change two things and then see how you feel for a while. And then we'll change a couple more things and see how that feels. Because everyone's different. Everyone needs to live their life in a way that feels good to them. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and we are taking a deep dive into how to live life by your own rules for your health, body, career, relationships, and soul with my beautiful friend and best-selling author, Alexandra Jameson. When I connected with Alex about what to talk about in her interview, we equally agreed that this is a topic that is so perfect. As you know, we are currently living in a time where we are experiencing an uprising for women right here and now. I want to take a moment right now and thank all of the brave women around the world who are coming forward and speaking their truth as difficult and as vulnerable as that can feel. It's incredible to see women living by their own rules and creating a life that fulfills them and brings them joy. Now, the essence of this podcast is all about making your own rules and decisions about your health, your body, and your soul reclaiming your power and making decisions based on your wisdom and intuition. This is what inspired me to create this podcast. See, I believe that you are the CEO of your life, including your health, your career, your dreams, and so much more. And I also know that goddesses live by their own rules. And I am thrilled to bring this amazing goddess to share her wisdom with you today. Now, before I bring on Alexandra, I want to quickly introduce her to you. As the best-selling author of Women, Food, and Desire, co-creator and co-star of the Oscar-nominated documentary Super Size Me, and a highly sought-after wellness expert for thousands, Alexandra Jameson has made it her mission to empower women to create epic lives by honing their cravings and kicking body shaming to the curb. Alex is the creator of Her Rules Radio, a number one rated podcast on iTunes where listeners from around the world are educated and captivated by thought-provoking interviews on wellness, craving, sexuality, and so much more. Her work has been praised and adored by Oprah, The Today Show, Dr. Oz, Goop, Martha Stewart Living, The New York Times, CNN, Fox News, Elle, USA Today, People, and so many others. I want you to check her out at alexandrajameson.com. Welcome to the show, Alexandra Jameson. I am so, so happy that you're here with me today. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, we're going to be talking, we're just going to get right into it. And the topic that you, that we're going to be talking about is something that I am just dying not only to connect with, like I've been wanting to have this conversation for so long. And we're going to be talking about is how to live a life by your own rules. 
for your health, your body, your career, relationships, and most importantly, your soul. And so we're going to get into this, but what I want to first dive into, because as I can imagine, this is, this is such a beautiful conversation, such a worthy conversation for every woman to have, but I am excited to hear the journey that led you to this discovery for yourself. Oh my gosh. I mean, it really began when I was a kid, you know, your whole life fuels who you are now. And I was luckily raised by total hippies in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> they were they were both educators, you know, public school teachers, and they always, always held this really beautiful container for us to grow in that was like figure out who you are and what you want and the money will follow. You know, even my dad, who was kind of a straight laced authoritarian vice principal for a long time was really like, you know, what color is your parachute, sweetheart? What do you want to do? Go follow your dreams. So from a young age, we had a lot of permission to try a lot of different things. And my mom was super feminist of the 60s and really encouraged me to travel by myself. You know, she she traveled on her own, lived all over the world in the late 60s. And even though some of her stories were a little intense, being out there on her own, I was always really inspired to do the same. And, you know, figuring out how to maintain your center as you try on a lot of different possibilities in life, I I just think that was an incredible gift that my parents gave me. They were always there for me. I knew they always loved me. And I tried a bajillion different careers in my early and mid 20s. And they were always there saying, Oh, it's not working. Oh, what are you going to try next? Okay, you know, tell me more about that. So I just have to say, I'm so grateful to my parents. And they were just wonderful inspirations to me. And then my mom being the amazing hippie that she was, she actually had her own organic gardening radio show for 10 years in the 70s and 80s. And we ate nothing but healthy organic food. We worked in the yard all weekend growing our food. And even though I had this super healthy upbringing, I was also a complete junk food and sugar addict. Um, did you grow up like that, Lisa? I don't, I don't. Oh my gosh. I grew up literally with, you know, the cornflakes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we would be, I mean, the sh- we'd have the big sugar bowl. And honestly, I would not eat the cornflakes until I like my, my spoon w- could not move through it because there was so much sugar on it the bottom. It was like soup, right? At the bottom. It was, oh my God. <laughs> oh, just, just. Yeah. So my parents didn't let bad food in the house, except for in the summer, like we'd make our own ice cream. You know, it was like very wholesome. But I found out that the kids that went to Sunday school at the church down the street from us got treats. So I actually started going to church by myself when I was seven years old. I loved it. Because I found out they got Kool-Aid and cookies. It's like I would just show up at church and go to Sunday school. And then I don't know what the people at this church thought of me, but my parents were like, go ahead, learn about a different religion. <laughs> but I was just there for the sugar, really. So by the time I was in my mid 20s, I actually got really sick. And now this was a couple years after college. I was now living in New York City, my first real corporate desk job where you're just sedentary, working like 60 hours a week, bad lighting. It's New York City, there's a million people on top of you. And I 
was putting on weight and not just a little weight, like 30 pounds after college. I was exhausted, depressed, heavy, and I was getting migraine headaches almost every day. It was debilitating. And I, I mean, I had a family sized jar of Advil at my desk. And I was just eating tons of sugar, tons of caffeine to try to get through the day. And I finally went to a doctor after about three months of this. So I was like, I am not supposed to feel this bad. I'm 25. You know, when you're 25, you're not supposed to feel this terrible. And I haven't always felt this terrible. So something's wrong. So the first doctor I went to, I speak with him for like two minutes. And within five minutes, I've got a prescription for painkillers and Prozac. You know, Hmm. that's just, he was not the doctor for me. He was not the doctor for you. Yeah, that is that's not for you at 25 years old. Right. Well, I I have this sad family history of really brilliant people self-medicating. You know, uh, bipolar uh, and depression and uh, you know, my grandfather was a doctor and he would prescribe himself and my aunt any painkillers they wanted and they both overdosed intentionally when I was really young. And I just have this real fear of misusing and abusing prescription drugs. And so I had these prescriptions in my hand and it was just like this huge red flag. And it was like a fork in the road. Like you can either take these and go down that path and you've seen the devastation that can happen or you figure out what's really wrong with you. And this was 1999, you know? It was, we were not the most holistic culture at that point. There wasn't so much information out there, but I went to another doctor and this was somebody my mom would have taken me to. You would have loved him. (laughs) He had a Buddha in his office and ferns and like a little fountain. And we sat down together and he asked me what I was eating. And we talked for half hour about how I was feeling, what was going on. And he said, ah, no wonder you're sick we need to change what you're eating. And he did all this muscle testing on me. And he said, you have candida overgrowth. I'm like, what are you talking about? I've never heard of this before. And he just gave me a list of foods I could eat and a list of foods to avoid. And I started crying because everything I was supposed to avoid was everything I was eating. But I recognized there was, there was this voice in me. It was like my, you know, you get that knowing in your gut, get that part of your body that just knows things. And it said, yep, do this. Follow this guy's advice. And he said, here's a couple books, go get these books. I went to the library and I realized there were 5,000 books about natural healing and food. And I read everything. And within a few days, I had completely changed my diet And I took his advice, but went further with it because I read Diet for a New America and went totally vegan. I had never heard of veganism before. I didn't know any vegetarians. There was no Whole Foods. This was 1999. There were only weird, smelly health food stores. And they seemed very strange. (laughs) I started eating quinoa and kale. And within a couple of weeks of going off sugar and dairy and gluten and taking out all of these foods and basically just eating a lot of fruits and vegetables because I didn't really know how to cook, I started feeling better. And I remember the morning I woke up and I was like awake. I was rested and I felt clear. I was like, oh my gosh, I, like, I have enough energy. I could go to the gym. 
and my headaches just stopped. And over the next couple of months, I lost that 30 pounds without even trying. I slowly learned how to cook. I started teaching myself how to cook. Then I quit my job and went back to culinary school. And it just put me on this path of, wow, we have so much power that, you know, we can change the world with food. And then I, it was like off and running. Wow. I love that. Oh my goodness. And then I know that journey has taken you so much further um, in the, in the, in the last several years. I mean, this is 99. And I think about even some health food stores today still feel smelly and weird to me. <laughs> you know, they got the patchouli scent mixed with like olive oil. It's very weird combo, but, but so at that time I actually had to take a night job so I could afford to go to school during the day. So like many New Yorkers, I got a job, you know, as a cocktail waitress in a smoky bar and, while I was working at the bar, I met this really cute guy. I totally picked him up and he was this budding filmmaker. His name was Morgan. He started dating. And after about a year and a half of us being together, we brought our two passions together. He was this filmmaker looking to make a, you know, a project. And I was this food revolutionary out there preaching the gospel of veganism and healthy food. And we ended up creating the movie Supersize Me together. And we didn't know if anyone was going to see it. We had no idea what was going to happen. Um, he just had this idea, well, what if I ate nothing but junk food for a month? What would that be like? And I said, please don't do that. I just did that to myself. I just healed. Please. <laughs> I know what's going to happen. Right. I know the consequences. <laughs> he said, yeah, but let's film it. <laughs> let's see. It's different when you film it. Yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> So if you haven't seen the movie, uh, he got incredibly sick. In a month, he put on 25 pounds, his cholesterol went up 60 points, and his liver was so filled with fat, he was giving himself non-alcoholic non -alcoholic hepatitis. I can't remember the exact term, but he was making himself incredibly ill in a month. And this little film became this global sensation. You know, it got into Sundance, got nominated for an Oscar. We traveled the world. We premiered it in over... 20 countries in a year. He became this filmmaker and I became this famous vegan chef. And it really started our careers. And, you know, over the next eight years, I wrote three vegan cookbooks, um, you know, started a blog, did all this coaching. But as with many people, I now am finding, you know, after being vegan for 10 years and then having a child, and then going through a really rough, rocky, contentious divorce, my body started breaking down. And my new favorite expression is the diet that heals you is not always the diet that sustains you. But it's very, very hard to change how you eat in this culture when you are so identified by what you eat, right? I was, I was a famous vegan. And I knew a lot of vegans. I hung out with a lot of vegans. I had written these cookbooks. And we had been on Oprah. We had done all these things. And now my health was falling apart. I was depressed. I was exhausted again. Um, I was chronically anemic. My hormones were in tatters. And I tried everything in the vegan framework to fix it. Nothing was working. And I was craving meat. My body was salivating over it. It was like my body knew there was something of value in animal foods again, but I wouldn't let myself 
because I was mentally attached to the identity. I was like, well, people are bad who eat meat, right? Like, I'm, I don't do that. That's not who I am. And I had to get real with myself and listen to my body. I'm like, nothing I'm doing is working. And I teach other people to listen to their bodies, but I'm not allowing myself to do the same. So I secretly started eating meat again. I was actually hiding like salmon and eggs under my kale in the shopping cart. So I was afraid somebody might see what I was eating. And after about a year of going back and forth and, okay, maybe I feel better now. And I started to feel better right away, but I thought maybe I don't need it as much anymore, but it takes a long time sometimes to heal your body, heal your hormones, your thyroid. You know, there was so much stress happening in my body. I finally had to like come out of the vegan closet and tell the world I'm not vegan anymore. And it was a, it was a disaster. It was, it was horrible. It got, it went viral, but not in a way that I, I had wanted it to. I was not hoping this would go viral. I was kind of hoping I'll just put this out. No one will notice and it'll be no fine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, by the next, I, like I published it at like nine o'clock at night, went to bed. It's like, okay, fine. I'm done. The next morning, a thousand comments on it. Thousands of shares, you know, people, hundreds of emails in my inbox, a few people saying, Hey, we love you and support you no matter what. But many more people saying, we hate you. You're horrible death threats. I mean, that's how bad it got. And that's why it's so hard for us to change how we eat. Even if you're eating the standard American diet and you want to try veganism, try vegetarianism, try paleo, you know, if you want to try gluten-free, there are going to be people that are going to judge you and they are going to share their unsolicited opinion with you about what you should do and how well you're doing it. Or if you do it for a while and it doesn't work, and then you go back to how you were eating before, they're going to say something then. And don't we all just want to hear how we're doing with our food choices? No, we don't. <laughs> so, no, we don't. Especially from the people who we we value most. It's always family. It's friends. It's your closest people. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. And for you, it was probably your closest people and everybody else. You, you know. Well, again, I was super lucky. You know, my my parents and my older brother were, and my younger siblings as well. They were just so supportive of me. They're like, "Look, we love you. Whatever you need, you know, no teasing ever from them. They were only ever there for me." And I didn't realize how rare that is. But you know, I've been a coach with women for almost fifteen years. And I'm constantly hearing stories from them about how their family or friends judge them, tease them, make comments. You know, people take it very personally when you change your diet or you change something in your life that's different from what they do. They think your choice is, is somehow a statement about how they're living their life. And food is incredibly intimate. It's incredibly personal. You know, I like to joke that it's the most intimate thing we do with other people in public. You know, or we're consuming something into our bodies. It's very primal. And it's one of the most basic ways that we create culture and connection in our immediate family, right? We share food. We have family recipes. We have traditions around food more than almost anything else. 
And when we change that, if you go gluten-free, but your family is Italian and you always eat pasta, right? Or you go vegetarian and maybe your family's from Argentina, you know, you're Argentine. And they're like, what? You don't eat meat now? It's It can really make people think, even though you have, even though most of the time you don't care at all what the people in your life are doing, right? You're doing it for yourself. They take it personally. And that's something that you have to be ready for and need support around so that you can stick with these changes that you want to make. Hmm. And, you know, hopefully it's coming from family. Hopefully it's coming from friends. You know, is there any advice to women that you give around, you know, making these changes and kind of where to get that type of support? Mm -hmm. Should we be looking for it in, in Facebook communities, in groups, finding our own community? I know I myself have found needing to create communities to kind of really get that support where where I call like where the cool kids play, (laughs) but, you know, or creating communities for women where they feel safe being, the the weird healthy mom or you know whatever you want to yeah, call it yeah you need community everywhere and anywhere so not just facebook group but you need to you need to talk with your friends you need to have a real heart to heart with them and really be vulnerable and ask for their support when you're making changes whether it's career food relationship spirituality whatever it is like you got to have a heart to heart with people and they might not be used to real, vulnerable, authentic communications. Um, and and I, I've definitely discovered this over the years. And it's taken me some time, but I, and I, I know that you have as well. We've been able to create community with people who are, even if, you know, we're all hypocritical at times. And sometimes we even lie to ourselves, right? So we're not all perfect, but but we place yeah. ourselves in community with people who are, one of their highest values is to be authentic, to be true, to be real, to be open. And it takes your own bravery and vulnerability to talk to the people who are already in your life and ask for their support. I'm actually writing an ebook about this right now with my husband, (laughs) how to have a hard conversation with people in a very non-emotional way. Um, we talk about sharing, and you can write these four steps down. It's super simple, but you know, we'll put up an ebook eventually. It's intentions, concerns, boundaries, and desires. You each share those four things about a topic, and it allows you to get into alignment. It allows you to get clear together about something rather than like, I win or, oh, you're right. It's not about winning an argument. It's about getting into alignment and discovering what's really true. So, you know, these are the kinds of conversation skills that not, you know, most of us are not taught. We're not taught how to have really powerful, highly charged emotional conversations in a way where you really connect with people. And man, do we need that in this world right now? Woo, we need that. Especially right now, my goodness, I feel like every conversation feels like a charged conversation. <sighs> People are so triggered at this moment, yeah, um, and really trying to find their own in um, in a lot of like a lot of adversity and what I consider to be like just a lot of um, charged situations. We are holding on to some really strong beliefs. Yeah, we are, and it's it's challenging. You know, I've had to pull myself off certain social media platforms. <laughs> I can go, I can go into a black hole of judgment sometimes. 
Um, and I am really working to hold myself to a higher standard of communication, which again is challenging because it's very easy to get self-righteous or point the finger or say, I'm right, you're wrong. But that doesn't uh, create connection and it doesn't allow for growth. And that's what we really want and need, don't you think? I absolutely agree. Now, I know, you know, there are so many women who are listening who are still trying to find their own voice or they're trying to, to even begin to create their own rules. But I know that when we don't do that, there is an impact that it has on our health. And can you talk a little bit about this? Because I know that this is probably the journey that you're helping so many women walk through. Yeah. Well, you know, my, my own podcast is called Her Rules Radio, and it's all about, and this is true in my writing and coaching as well. It's all about reaching out to people who do things a little differently than we do. You know, and just asking, huh, how do they do that? You know, I was actually really inspired by my husband when I met him. Um, He had gone through a really, really rough stretch of 10 years before I met him. And he was kind of putting his life back together when we met. And I said, wow, I mean, the stuff that he went through was really powerful, really tough. And he, when I met him, he was just on this upward trajectory of success in so many ways and I, I said, how did you do that? You know, how did you do that? Because he didn't have the loving family support that I did. You know, he didn't necessarily have the same resources that I, you know, was in touch with because of making supersize me, etc. I said, how did you do that? How did you turn that around? And he said, you know, I just, I finally started realizing, look, I don't know how to do these things. I don't know how to have a great relationship who do I know that has a great relationship that I admire? Oh, my friend, John, I'm going to go take John to lunch. And I'm going to ask him, how did you do that? How do you have a great relationship? Please tell me, right? Like looking to people who are doing life, certain aspects of life, the way you believe like, wow, I think I really resonate with the way that person runs their business or the way they've built a career or you know the way they parent or the way they've helped they've healed their body. So you look for people that you resonate with them in some way. You know, they, you just vibe with them. And then reach out and ask them or if they're online like you or me, you, know, you can read our stuff and learn from what we're doing and you got to experiment with it. You got to start implementing these things. So, you know, having a coach, having a community, these things are great. And it's really about you committing to an ongoing adventure of experimentation and awareness. Because, you know, I, I discovered and helped my clients discover how we need to eat for ourselves at the current time based on our desires at the current moment. So, you know, trying to weigh as much as I did in high school is kind of ridiculous. Like that's it's kind of silly. It's not really my goal, but I hear a lot of women. They're like, I just want to go back and feel how I felt in high school. I'm like, okay, you've had three kids. You're 45. Let's talk about what you want now. Like, what do you really want now? And how do you feel now? And let's start making these little experiments. You need to be the scientist of your life. Let's try eating this way. Let's change two things. And then see how you feel for a while. 
And then we'll change a couple more things and see how that feels. Because everyone's different. Everyone needs to live their life in a way that feels good to them. But in order to do that, we have to be willing to experiment and fail. We have to try things out and sometimes try them a few times. Like maybe you tried paleo three years ago and you only did it for a couple of weeks and it didn't work. And so you gave up. But there's been this voice in you saying, you know what, try it again. But you haven't let yourself because you're like, oh, I don't want to fail at that again. Well, guess what? From a woman who has written four books and done all the things, you know, I my life has been a series of successful failures. If I can go out there and write a bunch of vegan cookbooks and then have to come out and lose half of my audience in one week because I'm no longer vegan and figure out who I am again in full view of everyone, you can do it too, sister. You there listening to this. <laughs> talking to you. You can do this too. Absolutely. So I feel, you know, when it comes to strengthening our inner knowing muscle, which I know you talk a lot about, um, it's really about being successful at failing or just being willing to continue to experiment and try. Would that be the best way to kind of tune in? Or is it, or, or anytime that kind of voice in our head pops up, be willing to explore that a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you've got to keep track of what you're trying. You know, let's say you want to learn guitar. I'm watching my husband do this right now. He's, he's actually been playing guitar for a long time, but he's challenging himself to learn a new song every month or so. So he put up this thing in the living room so he could hang up his guitar. It's always there. So, you know, while I'm making dinner, he'll pull it down and he'll practice a new song. And it's been such a great lesson for me and for my son, who's almost 11, to watch someone fail over and over and over again and keep trying. You know, every artist, every person who wants to get healthy, everyone, we have to be willing to try something again and again and again before we get it right. And that's that's true with cooking. You know, you might try, uh, you know, some quinoa dish or gluten-free baking. And the first time you do it, it sucks. <laughs> so it's never going to end up like the Pinterest picture, right? <laughs> oh my God. I love those baking fails. Those pictures are so funny. So good. They're so funny. I love people who put stuff like that up, really. Um, I do too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. Like I'm looking at some, I've taken watercolor classes a bunch and I really enjoy it. And I'm looking at some of my, because I'm like, okay, I've got to throw away some of these pictures that I painted three years ago. And looking at something like, oh, that's horrible. <laughs> like, and then I look at something I painted last year. I'm like, oh, that's really pretty. Like, okay, I made some progress. But it's really tough for us women because the thing that we're focused on the most is our bodies, right? And followed mm-hmm. probably second by parenting. Oh, and we are just so freaking hard on our bodies. Okay, I've got a great story for you. Oh, I want from it. From one of my clients I- here. Okay. So I've been working with her for six weeks and in six weeks, I I kid you not, in six weeks, she has lost eight of the 10 pounds that she wanted to lose. She's lost eight pounds in six weeks and this was not super effortful. I just put her on my cleanse protocol and I said, look, I want, let's talk about acupuncture. And she's like, well, I tried acupuncture once and I was like, okay, 
I, you can only go more than once. It's like going to the gym. You can't go to the gym once and expect you to be like, everything's fixed. <laughs> what? Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. You got to go. You got to go a bunch. And then it, you got to go a lot. <laughs> oh, and it's going to work. So she started going twice a week. She's been eating differently. She's got all these things. In six weeks, half of her problems are fixed. Like it's remarkable, but then we get together and we had our, you know, we had a, an in-person meeting. She came into the city, we were meeting and she said, what else do I need to do? You know, what else can I be doing? Like, I feel so frustrated. I was like, girl, you have lost almost all of the weight that has been stuck on your body for a year in six weeks. Hello. Congratulations. Like you're doing great. You're doing so good. All these other problems that you were worried about have are vanished. It's like, can we just hold on for a minute and acknowledge how badass that is? How well you are doing in such a short amount of time. She really, she was like, oh my God, you're right. Like, I'm so hard on myself. I said, yeah, we are so hard on ourselves, especially when it comes to our bodies, Right. Like if we don't, oh my if gosh. we don't look like that yeah. picture in the magazine in three weeks, then forget it. Just chuck it all. Like never mind. I'm I'm the worst. Never going to get there. So we need people to sometimes see and reflect back and hold that space for us how well we are doing, so that we don't give up, so that we do see the work and the commitment and the progress that we've actually made. I love it. And one of the things that came up to me um, when I was listening, I was thinking about, you know, women being hard on ourselves and goodness knows you, we've been there and there are definitely days where I'm still there. I was having one of those days a couple of days ago. Um, but I, when I, what I, what I see a lot with women too, is, is this fear of failure. And what I loved you talking about was that permission to continue to fail. Um, but how do you address that fear of failure for women? Well, just know that we all have it. I have it. Oh my gosh. Yesterday morning was the worst, Marisa. Oh my gosh. Was that for you too? Or was it over the weekend? I just feel like this week. Oh, no, it was, it was yesterday and Tuesday. Tuesday, I, I don't know. It just, I felt like nothing I could do was right. I couldn't, I just wasn't, I don't know. I just, I felt like I was continuing to fail all day. And I was like, I give up. I give up on this day. This day is over for me. <laughs> Can it just end? Yes. Yeah. We've all been there. So, um, you know, there's some positive psychology tools that I've learned. I, I went back to school. Oh my gosh, I could be in school for the rest of my life. I love it so much. There's so many things to learn. Um, there are. Oh. <laughs> I did a positive psychology certification and uh, it really helped me to learn the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. And it's something that I'm able to connect with often because I teach it to my clients and I teach it to my son as well. So we kind of become this self-reinforcing circle of we all remind each other when we're in a fixed mindset and fixed mindset says, I'm not good at it and I never will be, right? I can't learn it. If I don't know it now, if I'm not good the first time I try it, I'm never going to be good at it. That's a fixed mindset. And it's so easy to see that with our kids, especially They're like, I don't know how to do it. Like, well, sweetie, you only tried one time. Maybe we should try again, like riding a bicycle. You know, it takes more than one time. A growth mindset says, oh, I don't know how to do it yet. What's another way I could try this? 
a growth mindset says, oh, I've learned other things. You know, I learned how to walk. I learned how to speak English. I know how to write. I have learned how to do a lot of things in my life. I bet I can learn this too. So growth mindset is curious and non-judgmental. Fixed mindset is just shut down and it's got its arms folded and no way. And that is one of the best resources that I try to share with my clients and my kid and myself. I love it. Oh my gosh, that is such a great way of thinking about it. It's just having that growth mindset. Okay, well, I have one more question for you. This is a little bit off topic. This is the question I'm asking everyone. And that is, and I totally didn't tell you I was going to ask this, but I know you'll have a great answer for it. (laughs) Um, And that's going to be, what is the one, what is the one thing? What's the one daily habit or, or natural solution, whatever that may be that you do every day that you feel really moves the needle to your, to your well-being, to your wellness? Okay. It's two, but they're kind of the same thing. One, okay, you can have two. Okay. So <laughs> I, and so weird. I've become an early bird in my mid, midlife. What? I, know, I get up like. Lucky girl. It is dawn. not for me. <laughs> I get up before oh my goodness. the sun on most days. And I am so excited to make a cup of tea and go up on the roof and watch the sunrise. Like, I love it. It's like magic every morning. I'm like, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen today? Oh, look, the sun's coming up. <laughs> it gets a big surprise to me every day. <laughs> It's a beautiful, oh my gosh, watching the sunrise, so gorgeous. I love it so much. It's just, it really feels magical to me. It feels quiet and I'm like, ooh, what's today going to be like? And the other is similar. It really has to do with being out in nature. I love, love, love walking outside. I live in New York City. I live in Brooklyn, but I live between two parks and Almost every day I walk in one of the parks and there's a ton of bird life here in New York City. You wouldn't expect it, but it's a great place for bird watching. And it, I just, I feel free. I, I, I call it my warrior walk. I try to walk without my phone. I just go, I move. It doesn't even have, to, I can't even run. I'm, my knee is terrible, but I have to do a nice walk and let my brain take a break and let my soul speak. You know, walking is such a fabulous way to ask a question of your deep wisdom because your your brain, your ego, your thinking brain gets just distracted enough by walking that you can kind of do a walking meditation and let a deeper wisdom, you know, let some more eternal truth come up for whatever questions or troubles you might be having. So, you know, nature is just it's my church. It's how I feel reconnected. Mm, I totally agree. I nature is my church as well in a lot of ways. I I love I love your habits. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Those are so perfect. So divine. I love them. And then you have you have a phenomenal um giveaway that I can't wait for you to talk about. So can you I know you've got an extra special goodie for for all the ladies here today. Can you tell us a little bit about it. Can I can I say the full title or should I should I make it a little less explicit? <laughs> I was debating that. (laughs) Okay. I'll make it PG rated. Okay. Okay. So I love positive psychology, but I also realized that it's very challenging sometimes to focus on what's going well and what do you want? Sometimes people are like, I don't know. Things are hard. I know what I don't want. Like, okay, let's reverse engineer this. So I created a guide called how to write your 
F it list. And I won't say the whole word. So how to write your F it list is stuff that you're not going to do anymore so that you can make space in your life for the stuff that you really want. And this is basically a reverse engineering of positive psychology tools. I go way into the growth mindset in this book. And we're going to talk, we're going to just get get all the junk out first, right? Let's do a little cleanse of your brain and write down all the stuff that you're tired of, that you're sick of, you want to stop doing career, family, food, mindset. And then we're going to flip it. Say, okay, you don't want that. What do you want? What's the opposite of that? Or what's better than the opposite of that? So it's a great guide. It's a really fun workbook. And you're going to have to spell out the word to download it unless you made a... Mm -hmm. Well, it will, it'll have, um, it'll be cloaked. So it'll have, okay. either way, Great. one way or the other, they're, if they're downloading <laughs> it, they'll see the full thing. So All right, good. I love it. I'm so glad that we got to touch upon it today a little bit too. Um, and that it just ties so much into it. And so if, if, if women, if you are looking to make over your own rules or really just claim who you are, this is going to be the perfect, perfect segue into doing that. Cause I know listening today, you're probably thinking, oh my gosh, this is what I want for myself, but I don't necessarily know if I have the tools for it. This is exactly what Alex has created for you. She she knows this is what so many of us are looking for. Goodness knows, I am so excited to download it myself so that I can work through it. Because I had my moments today where I was like, man, I need to work through some stuff still. (laughs) Always need to be working through some stuff. And that's the thing. Always, always. Just just as a reminder to everyone, like Marisa and I, we we keep coming back to what's working, what's not working. It's an evolutionary process throughout our entire lives. It keeps you coming back to your values and how you spend your time. It's a constant evolution. So don't think that because you're like, oh, I did this five years ago. Am I really doing this again? Yeah, I do this constantly. And that's what keeps us moving forward. So you don't have to you don't have to spell it out, but you can just go to my website and it's under must-haves. So you won't have to say Perfect. the full title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just alexandrajameson.com and go under must-haves. Must-haves. You'll see it. You'll see it there. I love it. I love it. And it will all be in the show notes, all the good juicy tidbits and the link. So be sure to check it out to get all of the just the things that you may have missed during the episode and to get the download. And you can always go to Alexander Jameson's website under the must-haves and grab it there. Um, My goodness, it was such a pleasure, such a gift to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. Oh my gosh, so much fun. All right, honey, we'll have a wonderful day. Wow. Are you feeling inspired to sit down and get rid of everything that drains your amazing energy and light? I love that Alex is offering us an opportunity to release our habits and thoughts that are keeping us from a life of happiness. I can't wait to personally create my effort list and I want to inspire you to do the same. At the very least, I know it's going to feel good to get it out on paper. Writing it down on paper makes it more real and more powerful. So join me in creating your effort list and getting crystal clear on what you do want by grabbing her amazing gift. And you can find the link to Alex's How to Write Your Effort List ebook in the show notes for today's episode on my website, drmarisa.com slash episode 14. That is D-R-M-A-R-I-Z-A.com. Now, thank you so much for stopping by and listening into the Essentially You podcast. You are my inspiration for this podcast. 
Coming up is a topic that is near and dear to me. We're going to be taking a deep dive into the ways in which self-care equals success. I've had to learn this lesson the hard way, and that is why I am so excited to share it with you. So definitely don't miss it. And I would love to hear from you as well. What are you loving so far on the podcast and what would you like me to dive further into? Please take a moment to rate and review the Essentially You podcast on iTunes. That way I can get to know you better and continue to create a podcast that you love. Well, it's been such a pleasure. I can't wait to see you at the next episode and have a wonderful day. Bye.